From News 10 in Sacramento, this is the Capital Connection podcast for Friday, January 24th. I'm John Myers, political editor at News 10, along with Anthony York, political writer from the Los Angeles Times. And uh, maybe we should tell the podcast audience that uh, we tried to do a version of this over the holiday, and uh, the new technology didn't just quite work for us. So, but if you, but if you buy the box set, this will be a special outtake. <laughs> I, you know, we might be making that kind of pitch somewhere in the future. You know, the outtakes of the Capital Connection podcast. <laughs> you might uh, coming you might. coming soon to a uh, cocktail party near you. Um, well, yeah, so we, we uh, uh, Mr. York was on the road with the, uh, the good governor, and uh, I was watching from afar. And so anyway, so we're, we're here and we're back, and we actually have stuff to talk about now, right? I mean, you know, it's a big week. Was well, state of the state, governor traveling, some new candidates for governor. Uh, hey, yeah. you know, that's a podcast right there. That is a there podcast. And new leadership in the legislature, which maybe we want to that touch too. on briefly before we... Uh, before we uh, say goodbye on this one, so let's let's jump right into it. Let's let's start with the big news, uh, sort of the big news. I mean, you know, there's been a whole lot of uh, masticating of the notion that the governor's state of the state was newsy or not or boring or whatever it was or uh, pedestrian, as as one opinion writer called it. But it was the governor's state of the state speech um, on Wednesday, uh, 9 a.m. Good times. Uh, 16 minutes and 56 seconds for those of you who were counting. Wow. Um, and, uh, and, and, uh, and a playing card. Don't forget the playing cards. And the playing cards, which will become a collector's item. What's the saying on yours? Uh, uh, I don't know. Something about deficits. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's got a dog on it and some lines right, exactly. on the other side. Sutter on one side, save your kibble, don't uh, you know, save some biscuits for a rainy day, something like that. The point is, the governor's speech was short, um, kind of to the point. He didn't he didn't do much beyond kind of uh, steady as she goes. It was really almost kind of all of it what it was. I mean, I, I kind of joked online that it was the humble brag. Like occasionally he said, "Things are fine. You know, we got to be careful." But California is back. But we got to be careful. And it was a back and forth. I and mean, what did you you know what did you think? I mean, pretty much just a, a an easy in and out. Thanks, guys. Got to go speech. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a little beyond that, it was, uh, you know, I mean, look, it's clear, it's clear that this is the message, and it's not terribly different from what he's been saying, but Brown, I think, uh, in that speech, didn't want, look, there were no big new initiatives, right? You talk to him now about what he wants to do as he's traveling the state, he's going to Fresno and Bakersfield and Riverside and Salinas, and he's meeting with local officials to check on the implementation of realignment, you know, he's not out to do some, you know, any big stuff this year. This is, uh, you know, every fourth year, have, there does happen to be an election. I'm not saying that that, you know, influences his thinking in any way, shape, or form, because you know, we don't even know if he's running, right? Anyway, oh uh, sure, right, we don't know right. if he's running. Yes, right. I don't know if the, right. I don't know if that if the tone comes through, on uh, <laughs> you know, over, over the phone call here, but. Uh, but, you know, but he's going to campaign by governing, right? And he's going to be very focused on the big stuff that's already passed, prison realignment, where a lot of uh, sheriffs and county supervisors have had problems with the way it's been implemented in their communities. And so the governor's going, touring jails, talking to DAs and sheriffs and judges, and talking about their issues county by county. Um, so, and, and that, but that feeds into his message to voters 
uh, in November, which is I'm, I'm, I'm taking care of business, I'm getting things done. And I think the speech really de-emphasized anything new. Um, it was very much a, you know, let's pause and re you know, reflect and take a deep breath and see where we are and make sure that, you know, we do the stuff that we just did and, and make sure that it gets done properly uh, and do it right. And I think that that's a, you know, it's a, a fairly compelling election year message. But uh, he was open to criticism from, uh, from Democrats and Republicans alike a little bit. We can get into that, I think. Well, I think... I think if you look at the speech and, you know, might play an excerpt or two, but let's uh, one I'll start with. I mean, if you look at it, uh, there's this moment where, and I'll play it here in a second, where he talks about business as usual. We can't go back to it. And it's this, you know, it's the reminder of something we've heard the governor say a lot, which is like we've, we've fixed some problems. Uh, we got to be careful. But I also think, too, in, in it as well, there was this notion that, um, you know, that he, I being he, uh, I'm a different guy. I've got a different approach to this. And, and maybe, as you said, a reminder to, to the voters, to the electorate, that uh, he's approaching the job differently. So let me just play that excerpt quickly. So we can't go back to business as usual. Boom and bust is our lot. And we must follow the ancient advice recounted in the book of Genesis that Joseph gave to the Pharaoh. Put away your surplus during the years of great plenty so you'll be ready for the lean years which are sure to follow. Most governors and legislators in modern times have forgotten this advice. This time we won't do that. We'll pay down our debts and remember the lessons of history. The American philosopher George Santayana famously said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. So that, that quote from uh, uh, those who cannot remember the past condemned to repeat it, that was on the playing card, right? That's on one side with the, the Correct. graph that's of the, all the that's, deficits. That's the fine print underneath the, uh, the budget graph. <laughs> and then you flip the card and there's a picture of Sutter. So there you go. Right, there but but go. That, that, that message, that um, you know, minimalist kind of message does seem to fit into what you're talking about campaigning by governing. No, nothing, no flourishes, nothing big, just keep on moving forward and, in a sense, kind of, you know, keeping, you know, keeping yourself almost out of the headlines again, which some people have talked about this governor has not uh, been in the news a lot sometimes. And well, uh, I mean, I well, think he I, might I, be happy yeah. for it to be that way. Well, I, I think the table's been set for what he's going to run on, right? I mean, for, for his, his campaign issues. I mean, the record of the first three years is going to be the record. And, 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 and this year, I think what Brown is hoping for is to make just, you know, keep the state in the black, um, and he'll have to tackle. But some, I mean, look, the governor doesn't get to choose what happens, right? I mean, issues will find him, issues like the drought. I mean, there will well, be... Well, and I was going to talk about the drought. There will be unexpected, so yeah. you know, there will, the things will... And so I think, in some ways, he's sort of clearing the decks and waiting to, to see what, uh, what this election year brings him rather than going out and, and, and seeking to to, you know, kick over any, any apple carts uh, himself, as he's done in years past with things like redevelopment, realignment, you know, all these things where he's, uh, the, the uh, LCFF, the, the education funding formula, he's gone out and pushed for these big changes. These have been his initiatives that have started from the governor's office, and uh, there's just not a whole lot of that out of the governor's office this year. Well, and of course, two of those that he pushed has pushed on, uh, and that he's talked about in the past, he made no mention of in this speech, and that's been talked about. He didn't talk about high-speed rail. rail, which of course was his famous right. moment last year of the little engine that could, and he didn't right. talk about the water tunnels for the Delta, 
uh, except to refer to them by their technical name of the Bay Delta Conservation Plan rather than really talking much about it. But I I do, you know, I I think he would be fine if the the decks were cleared, to use your term, and stayed clear for 2014. But the the water issue, the water issue is one that's really hard to avoid as every day goes by here in a place like Sacramento and we see uh, less and less water. You go to Folsom Lake out here in Sacramento, and it's drying up, and 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 that is a that's a tough one. It's an unpredictable one. But at some point, he it's going to change the dynamic, or it, maybe it has the potential. But I would argue it probably will change the dynamic in some way. Yeah, and we don't know how that will play out, and what will come to pass, and whether or not there will be a water bond, and whether or not it will ever rain again. Right? I mean, you know, who knows? Ah, and, now now, now <laughs> the optimism. And, 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 and then, and then of course, you know, spring and summer, remember fall, I mean, if it's still dry, come October, come November, uh, come the first Tuesday in November, I mean, I don't, you know, it, it's a wild card, I don't know how that plays out, it's an issue, water is an issue that has vexed Brown before on his, his way out the door uh, in 1982, not only did California voters reject his bid for U.S. Senate, electing P- Republican Pete Wilson, uh, but they also repealed the uh, the um, peripheral canal, which has now kind of been reborn as a pair of tunnels instead of a canal. Yeah, the, so, the ancestor to the tunnels or something we should call yeah, it, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, this is uh, not unfamiliar turf for the governor. He knows... He knows well the dangers of of the of uh, water politics, and it, it will be one of the one of the things we're all watching this year is how he how he navigates that. I do think there was another part of the speech that I want to talk about that is a theme he has talked about many years that is perfect for an election year, is it not? And that is the um, uh, don't do too much in Sacramento. Sacramento is not the place to solve problems. He's, you know, he, he referred back to his long discussion, long admiration of the principle of subsidiarity, the, uh, the um, level that is closest is the best to govern, I'm badly paraphrasing. Um, but uh, the passage that I liked is the, is the phrase that you know, seemed to stick out which was um, about uh, life and what happens locally. Here's that segment. We should never lose sight of the reality that life is local and that so many things we try to do here in the state capitol can only be handled by local representatives and leaders or the people themselves. And I think that passage, again, helps. Uh, it's a very nice campaign moment of the uh, you don't like state government. I agree with you. State government does too much. It's a great campaign season theme to remind people that's been one of his themes for, you know, three years. So. And look, and lo and behold, he hasn't been in Sacramento. He's been in Fresno and Bakersfield and Riverside and Salinas. And he will be at some point, I'm sure, going to Chico and Redding and Yucaipa and, you know, I mean, parts of the state that the governor hasn't been. And I think that... Um, um, he will be driving that message home, that that message of subsidiary, uh, subsidiarity and returning power to locals, whether it be in corrections policy or in schools, uh, that that's sort of what the Brown governorship is about. And I think um, that's what this roadshow has been about. That's what that passage in the speech reflects. And I, I think it is, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's something that Brown wants to do and in certain arenas is to turn some of the decision-making process and turn some of the power over back to locals and kind of untangle the mess that grew up in the wake of the passage of Proposition 13, which, you know, 
we don't need to get into here. We can we can do we can save that for for recess when there's not a whole lot going on. The uh, the Prop 13 history lecture, you know, we can do that one. That'll be another podcast. Well, let's talk about someone who has been taking issue with the governor's speech and the governor's record, and in uh, with reason for taking issue this week because it's a guy who wants the governor's job. Um, the race for governor changed uh, and changed a little bit really this week because those of us who watch politics were not surprised by what happened on um, on Tuesday that the Republican field gained someone new after Abel Maldonado left, uh, I guess, was that last week? Gee, how fast time flies. Um, We got uh, a new challenger, uh, Neil Kashkari, former assistant uh, secretary of the Treasury, the U.S. Treasury, uh, in the Bush administration and briefly in the Obama administration, and the man who oversaw the TARP program uh, uh, during the economic collapse of uh, 2008-2009. Kashkari, who uh, who lives in Orange County, uh, first moved to California in the late 1990s, never served in elective office, uh, has assembled a, a, a big political uh, team, it looks like to me, by the announcement of who's working for him, um, but launched uh, in a speech about the economy at Sacramento State and immediately started going after the governor's record in a place that Republicans don't normally go on it, on things like poverty, and said, well, the governor didn't talk about poverty, and how many Republicans talk about poverty? Uh, and it's a, and whether the Kashkari um, effort gets any traction is the real question in the weeks and months, whether anybody gets traction or whether Jerry Brown should stumble. But what do you make of the Kashkari entrance? I mean, it's clearly a guy here who, who realized with the absence of Maldonado, here was an opening. Uh, no offense to Tim yeah. Donnelly, the Republican assemblyman from San Bernardino County, but he represents the, the base core of the Republican Party that's fairly small in California now. And Kashkari's campaign looks like it is, is very much trying to play a different game in the middle and even challenge uh, Brown and some of those core Democratic little pockets. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? I mean, it's interesting. I, it, you know, I think it remains to be seen. I think there's a very real question about what this, you know, recent convert to politics um, who's suddenly talking about the poor, who used to work on Wall Street and oversaw the, you know, $700 billion TARP program. Um, it, I think uh, there's a real question of legitimacy on the message and, um, you know, whether he's the right messenger. I mean, he, you know, on, on Twitter, he's an active tweeter. Uh, so uh, um, uh, you, can, you can find him on Twitter. But, uh, and he was... He, I saw on Twitter this week, mentioned Jack Kemp as a role model and sort of the Jack right. Kemp wing of, of the Republican Party. So I think it's interesting about whether, oh, look, the Republican Party is in the middle of a, of a rebranding phase, right? They're, they're trying to figure it out. And I think... Um, That's a polite way of putting it, I think. Well, and, they're, and, and, they're, and, they're in the middle of some soul searching, I think I would say, too. But rebranding, yeah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. And, and, and I think it'll be interesting to see whether anything about this Kashkari campaign ends up representing a way forward. Do I think he's going to be the next governor of California? If I had to bet, I would say no, probably not, you know. Um, but, um, but could this campaign have a lasting impact, you know, on California and on the California Republican Party and, and maybe on Jerry Brown? I, I don't know. I don't know. And so I think from that perspective, it's interesting. Um, I think from the horse race perspective about whether this guy has a shot to beat Jerry Brown in the campaign, I, I mean, I, I think 
it'd be hard to get excited about that, you know, right now in January. But you never know. I mean, politics changes, and you never know what can happen. But um, but but certainly, it's a change. It, it changes the race, and I think it changes um, the discussion that Republicans are going to be having among themselves. And we'll see if it influences the Democratic discussion in any way. Well, it's interesting that the the Brown camp, and I have to refer to them. I get refer to them, I guess, fairly loosely that way because I don't think they're um, officially affiliated with the governor yet because there's no re-election campaign, too. But if you look at the Brown camp's reaction to Kashkari, first of all, they pounced on him in a way they never pounced on Tim Donnelly because they clearly sure. sense there's something different there. Donnelly is not a guy, that, and I'm not saying they're worried, but Donnelly's a guy that's not on the radar. Kashkari is playing in their sandbox. Whether it yeah, works or yeah. not, it remains to be seen. But also, th- their initial reaction to Kashkari was very much to me like a open the file on Meg Whitman and pull it out. So it was the discussion of money and the discussion that he didn't vote often enough. And I'm not saying those aren't legitimate issues. But I and think Gloria the- already be far behind, right? <laughs> but I think the Kashkari um, strategy is somewhat different than the Whitman strategy. Whitman didn't talk about poverty, for instance. She talked about, I think, fairly traditional Republican ideas. Right. But having said that, this is a this is a, a long shot campaign. I don't think the Kashkari people would, would uh, disagree with that. And right. yeah, they've got to find a way to get through that that message quandary of rich, poor, uh, who needs help, who doesn't with the candidate's background. And I got to tell you, I think the other interesting part for me is that it almost feels as though we have the potential to have a long discussion, not only about rich and poor, wealth and uh, poverty, but also about um, Wall Street and uh, responsibility and those kinds of things in this well, race. Tech, and that's not what. Tech, and that's not tech. one that Jerry Brown would hate to have because the governor it has not taken much for him to get uh, to tee him up on the issue of. Wall Street and corporate responsibility and corporate greed in the past. And here's about guy, Neil Kashkari, who got criticized during the TARP program for somehow helping those folks. And then, of course, has a background as an investment banker and all these other things. It, it would be weird to have that kind of national discussion about something that happened years ago. But the characters involved, um, I don't know, could, could easily, we could be having this larger global national discussion in the middle of a California race. Oh yeah, no. I I mean potentially, and I think, look, there there are some social issues arising here. Look what's happening with, you know, the Google bus protests in San Francisco, and I mean there's, yeah, uh, the and you know my guess is that the president next week is going to be talking a lot about income inequality, right? And I mean clearly, uh, the politics of poverty are evolving, and and that it uh, it's going to be an issue. I think in 2014, probably in, in congressional midterm elections and in the California election, I think, in a way that, uh, you know, I, I don't remember really in my lifetime, which is, which is uh, you know, interesting. I mean, we'll see. It, it's early and these things do change, you know, but, uh, but it does seem like, I mean, don't you get the same feeling? I mean, that poverty, the yeah. politics of poverty is, is uh, something we're going to be talking a lot about in 2014. 
Well, it's certainly more front and center because we keep getting all of these data points of the uneven recovery. We've talked about that on the podcast before. The counties where the unemployment rate remains stubbornly high, you know, we got a new lower statewide average here on Friday by two-tenths of a point. But there are still all these inland counties where it is unbelievably high and those new measurements of poverty in California. And that's the kind of thing that uh, Neil Kashkari is talking about. That's also the kind of thing that legislative Democrats are talking about. And that is part of what they want to talk to the governor about. I think the question is, is at what point do they get the sense that they may be helping a potential opponent to the governor in resonating an issue that the governor is still trying to resolve? I, you know, it's a, it's, yeah. it's a good well, question. It's a good question. It's interesting. And I mean, look, how credible of a messenger is Neil Kashkari versus Holly Mitchell, you know, senator from Los Angeles? I mean, you talk to Holly Mitchell about poverty. And I mean, you know, I, it, it's something that she lives with and cares about, cares deeply about. And I, I'm not questioning Kashkari's sincerity, but I think you have a conversation with Holly Mitchell. There is no doubt. There is no doubt that this is something fundamental uh, about in co- a core belief for this woman. I mean, clearly, you know, and I, I don't know that if you have the conversation with Neil Kashkari about it, that, that that comes across in the same way. And, and, you know, I, I that's going to be a challenge for him, I, you know, and, and maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter the credibility, maybe just the fact that we're talking about the issue is a victory and that's the idea. But I mean, I, I just, you know, it could it could be an, an interesting race again, not for not for uh, the horse race necessarily, but for some some of the larger dynamics. Well, let's pivot to a um, finally a race that ended, I guess, this week. It was the one I referred to at the top of this, which was the inside the Capitol race for who was going to lead the, the the two houses and the ending being is that Tony Atkins, uh, a Democratic assemblywoman from San Diego, um, formally, informally, I don't know what the heck you call it, locked up the votes uh, in the Democratic caucus to succeed John Perez as the next Speaker of the Assembly. Sometime later this year, Atkins um, had been perceived to be the front runner for a while, but we've had a couple of weeks of uh, kerfuffle-ishness around the Capitol. That is totally not a word. Uh, But uh, uh, some discontent about the leadership, about two Southern Californians, because Kevin DeLeon of L.A. uh, has now all but sealed up the votes to be the next pro tem of the Senate when Daryl Steinberg uh, steps down. Uh, And again, Perez and Steinberg, for people who don't know, are all out because of term limits. Um, But Atkins and DeLeon as the new heir apparents in both houses. I don't know what we make of that quite yet. I don't know about the regional stuff. We had uh, some people saying we needed a Northern California voice again, most notably the Bay Area Council, in trying to boost up the candidacy of uh, Rich Gordon, Assemblyman from San Mateo, to be Speaker. That didn't happen. Um, You know, what do you think? I mean, the Atkins, De Leon, uh, I don't know if I want to call them as a a pair, as a working team yet, but um, they're going to be a new version of these discussions, and we've had the same leadership for a long time. Yeah, I mean, and look, DeLeon, I think, can be there for six years, right? Is that right? Five years, six mm-hmm. years? And uh, Atkins will only be there for two. So, And you have a governor who, you know, by the time these two are, are in a budget negotiation, probably will have, you know, will be in his second term or, or have been voted out of office or something Fourth else. Fourth term. But second, second term, second time, right? Yes, right. Yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the who... 
who knows you know, what it means, whether the regional stuff is significant. I know there were people trying to make the case that actually in the politics of the capital that San Diego has more in common uh, you know, uh, with Northern California than it does with L.A., and that typically their interests lie more closely with Northern California than they do with Los Angeles. I don't know. Um, but, um, but, it, it, uh, but it does look like the leadership battles are, are set and that, um, you know, sometime, so, sometime in the very near future, I imagine, in the assembly there will start a new leadership battle again. Do you, uh, you want to take the trivia test here, the last time two Southern Californians uh, led the legislature? Two Southern California, let's see. Let's see, Bustamante does the count. That's Dinuba, Willie Brown, so it'd be pre-Willie Brown. Moretti, I'm going Moretti, and Jim Mills. Yeah, uh, you have a winner. Hey. Early 70s, Jim Mills in yeah. the Senate, Bob Moretti in the Assembly. Congratulations. Uh, Don Pardo, tell him what he's won. <laughs> you say Don Pardo or Don Parada? Uh, well, there's a shout out. Um, the other thing I was just the last thing I was just going to say about the the Atkins speakership, apparently assuming that that happens, is that Atkins it has it has um, only one more term left in the assembly, so she would be a short term assembly speaker. And I wonder, you know, because some of the names that were floated around for a while were out of that very large freshman class that can serve twelve years in the assembly. You wonder if now the great question is, who emerges as the leader of that class to be the next speaker? Who would be the speaker perhaps for as long as anyone has been in a very long time? i got to measure the years between uh, Willie Brown and those. But you know what I mean? I mean, I wonder if now yeah. we, we, you have another 18 months or two years or so for that class to figure out who is the leader of, of, of their era. Yeah, yeah, and we'll see. I mean... There were some, certainly some freshmen running this time around. Uh, you know, we'll see whether one of those candidates or, or somebody else emerges as, as the next next speaker. And we'll be here for that, right? That'll be the next trivia test. We'll, 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 we'll still be around. I remember when. We'll yeah, we'll see. All right, with that, uh, we'll wrap it up. That's Anthony York from the Los Angeles Times. I'm John Myers from News 10. We'll see you next time.